are listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ team leader, jujitsu lover, meme enthusiast, and dad joke aficionado, Aaron Love. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the team room. We've got a huge one for you this week. We're really, really excited. One of the legends of the career field came on in. He's going to talk his career, what he's done since, and he's done a considerable amount. So like we, we absolutely cannot wait. We've been, uh, we've been waiting for this one, and now we finally got it locked down. As always, we want to say thank you to everybody that likes, follows, comments, engages, all of the platforms, whether it be Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. We love you guys. We've gotten a lot of good feedback recently that, that you guys like what we're doing. That's exactly what we want to hear. We also want to hear if we're not doing something. Let us know if you want to see a guest. Let us know if you have a topic that you want us to explore. Anything you guys want, we're here for you. We want to help you earn each breath. It's a whole reason why we're here. The other reason why we're here is to get you the best possible, not only information, but training, equipment, and supplements that we possibly can to help you guys in your journey. One of those is Hoist. Hoist has IV level hydration. As a J that passes pasta water, I have to understand and uh, and know what that means. For you guys, it means you can absolutely thrash yourself, throw a hoist down, mid-workout, after-workout, pre-workout, and it will literally help you be more hydrated. Use code, use code uh, Ready at checkout if you want to order online. Their shipping is fast. They get it to you right away. And then look around for them. They're popping up literally everywhere. So look in your shop ads. If you guys are active duty, look in your shop ads, look in your commissaries. If not, they have them at Kroger. They got them at Albertsons. My favorite is the dragon fruit. Still, orange is a, is a close second for me, but we love hoist. They're awesome. Go over, use code One's ready at hoist, drink hoist on IG or uh, drinkhoist.com, and uh, you'll get a sweet discount. All right, with that out of the way, Chief, I will never be able to call you Tony. It's never, ever going to happen in my entire life. You were, you were my chief. You were one of the chiefs of the career field. I believe you were the um, career field functional manager when you were in. So you were always going to be chief to me, and that is never going to change. But Chief Tony Negron, welcome to the team room. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, man, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to uh, be on here. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just one clarification, though, you uh, threw out some amazing accolades there. Uh, I was actually never the CFM. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was the AC. I finished off over at Langley Air Force Base, where I was the uh, career or, uh, air combat command uh, functional. But uh, then I wanted to take a different path after Got that. It. But thanks a lot. Got it. Yeah. So that's where I got it confused because I was an ACC at the time. So I was yeah. all, like, your your name was always, it was like, you better talk to Chief Negron. You better talk yeah. to NN about that, Aaron, which I got <laughs> counseled many times. So, uh, <laughs> man, just welcome. Just for everybody that doesn't know you, can, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? And, you know, like we were talking about, you can, you can go in depth. You have a, a, a very, very long and very, you know, action packed career. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in total, I ended up doing 26 years in the United States Air Force, and uh, I joined the Air Force in uh, December of 1988, so right before Christmas time. Uh, I wasn't ready to go to school, I guess I felt, uh, and I wanted to, though I, uh, I'm a Midwest boy and I grew up in Indiana, I love Indiana, but I, I wanted to travel, and uh, so I wanted to see the world, and, and some of the options were to join the military, so I ended up joining in 1988. Uh, I came in, I walked into the recruiter, and I basically said, hey, I'm looking, uh, you know, I was an athlete, I was a wrestler, and uh, I said, hey, look at, uh, you know, I'm looking at doing something exciting, and I'm not sure, not sure exactly what that is, because I don't know what the options are, but uh, I ended up, uh, initially, I went in to be uh, security forces, so I was a cop, initially. Oh, wow, okay. And, uh, 
Um, and I did that for about five years. I enjoyed it. I still keep in touch with some of the friends I established in that community. If you think about that, that's pretty impressive being on the tail end of 26 years. But I still got a couple of friends that I stay in touch with today. Uh, but somewhere along the lines, about uh, five years in, I was over in Misawa, Japan. And I don't even know if you guys know this, but we had a pararescue unit in Misawa, Japan for a short time. And uh, that's kind of where I met uh, Tony Alexander and a couple of other um, and skies end up being excellent uh, officers. Tony Alexander back then was a uh, PJ. Uh, subsequently, later on, he became one of our combat rescue officers, but uh, hung out with those guys. And, uh, you know, as I got to know them, I decided, you know, I think I, that's what I want to do. I want to cross train over to pararescue. It seems like a very interesting job. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. And, um, and that's what I did. I, uh, I left uh, Misawa, Japan, went right into the pipeline, came back to the States, rotated back. And then I started that uh, pipeline, two years in the pipeline. You know, I graduated, graduated uh, two years later. My first uh, assignment was uh, ACC, where I spent uh, some time. Uh, from there, I went over to uh, England, I did some time in AFSOC. Uh, I, it was an awesome assignment. Um, that's also where I met my wife when the Bosnian War was going on. Uh, oh, okay. And, awesome. and we, we would fly missions out of uh, Brindisi or San Vito, Italy, in the lower half of uh, Italy there. And it might meet my wife there, the first rotation. Um, and then after that, I applied for the 24th. You know, I went up there and I ended up staying up there for about the first six and a half years of the war. Um, decided it was time to move on. I went out to Moody Air Force Base, kind of back into ACC, and then graduated back up to uh, staff eventually. Uh, as you make it through the ranks, you know, you kind of promote to the next level. Uh, you take on more and more responsibility. And then uh, the people who uh, help you make it uh, up and, and help you get promoted, they want you to carry on that responsibility and, and do the best for the community. So I ended up to at uh, ACC where, where you and I met and, and I became your uh, air combat command functional manager. Indeed. Yeah. And then, so those, we get a lot of questions all the time and, and I know maybe you do have an opinion on it. Maybe you don't, but you've seen it from both sides of the fence. And, you know, I always took from another famous career field chief, at least famous for me was, you know, Lee Schaefer, and his, his famous quote was a PJ is a PJ is a PJ. It doesn't matter if you work at ST or if you work in ACC, how did you feel going back and forth, you know, in and out of, you know, England and then back to ACC and then seeing things from that, you know, that bigger perspective, how, how do you feel about when people ask you, well, is an STPJ different than a, an ACC PJ? Well, uh, Lee Schaefer, absolutely. You're spot on as a mentor of mine. I agree with him hundred percent. Lee and I have always saw eye to eye on that. Uh, matter of fact, I encourage PJs and controllers and any soft guys to move around to become a better, well-rounded um, operator, respective of whatever community you're in. So if you want to be a good J and you have aspirations of hanging around um, for quite some time, then you should absolutely move around. And I, can, I think you guys remember, you know, um, when I first came in, we were very divisive. Okay. So you absolutely oh, yeah. had guys who stayed within ACC. Um, some of my supervisor had stayed within ACC their whole career. And it was the same on the flip side where you had uh, AFSOC and guys stayed over there. But, um, you know, to be a better, well-rounded operator, and especially as you make your way up through the chain and become managers and leaders, um, that's how you can represent everybody. I mean, it's tough to speak on AFSOC and JSOC or any of those uh, commands where you have your men if you haven't spent time in those communities. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. And you know, the natural order of things in the way that we are is like, there's another person that wears a different badge, like they're a different tribe. So we're going to naturally compete against each other, but obviously we get trained in the same kind of thing. And I totally agree that it's very important for people to be well-rounded and go to instructor positions like you, you know, just kind of traveled back and forth and all around. And you've pretty much done everything that, you know, a PJ could do from, you know, ground up all the way up to becoming a chief. Did you, um, so a lot of people kind of ask, you know, how do I get there? What do I do? Did you plan on doing any of those kind of things or everything just kind of fell into place and you just kept on doing good where you could and then, you know, ended up being promoted as a result of that? Yeah, no. Uh, awesome question. Though some guys are very self-aware and I've always thought of myself as a very self-aware guy, but there was actually guys that you and I probably gone through the pipeline with, you know, some of those guys are like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to be a command chief. Uh, you know, I see myself in 10 years going off to be a helicopter pilot. And no, I, I didn't do that. What I did was, um, you know, I wanted to graduate in doc. I wanted to be a PJ. And then subsequently after that, I went right into the next role of like, Hey, I want to be a, a, a great PJ. Okay. Yeah. And, and then in the course of doing that in the, in the course of trying to be the best you possibly can, because you don't get there on your own, my supervisors and people, my commanders and my folks, um, they notice that and they take care of you because you, uh, that's how it is. Uh, there's always somebody who's writing, writing on you and, and putting awards in for you and, and sending you on the next TUI and giving you feedback and mentorship along the way. So, uh, so yeah, in the course of just trying to always, excel and be the best I possibly could, I ended up being a chief. I guess it was that simple. It's not simple, but it, you know, if you break it down like that, I, and that's how I try to mentor guys, Hey man, just try to do the best you can where you are in that place in time right there. And hopefully the people around you will notice. And usually with folks like us in our communities, they absolutely notice, you know, they always take care of the guys who are packing the mail, the sled dogs. Yeah. And I think that's super important to just point out for those people that are listening right now, because there is kind of, if you go back to the normal air force, which I am right now, because I'm a PA and I have to do two years, you know, in this kind of career. We're so field, sorry. We're so sorry, Brian. We're so sorry. Listen, it's way looking better at you guys from fence. like the cage, you <laughs> the know, gas. like just like, Hey guys, uh, can I come back? But you know, just the, uh, kind of personality types and the way that they go, they look for, okay, how do I get this next bullet? How do I get this bullet? I'll just, you know, just trying to chase award packages rather than chasing what actually matters, which is, you know, doing the best you can with what you, you have got because it's the right thing to do, not because you're trying to chase anything like that. So I just want to bring that up. Um, so speaking of, you know, continuing to achieve and make yourself better and all that kind of stuff. Once you got out, you had the chief, you had the retirement, you know, obviously you can't sit still. So you ended up starting up some other stuff. Um, so first one we'll talk about, um, is SEI. So can you just, uh, kind of explain to people what SEI means and what you guys do? Yeah. Um, and just, if I could just give just a little backdrop here. So as you guys know, SEI actually was owned by a legendary PJ chief by the name of Wayne Fisk. So Wayne Fisk started up SEI a while back and Wayne had been a mentor of mine for a long time. And as I started to approach the end of my career, you know, I'm looking at uh, the off ramp and, and I think he was looking at an off ramp also. And, uh, you know, I basically, um, and, and like you said, I knew I, I just couldn't come out and just start golfing. Uh, you know, I felt too young yeah, and that's, I went, yeah. And it is like, that's that never going to be a thing. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and most of our guys are like that, you know, and we can chat about that later, but you know, most of our guys, if you're running this hard and you think, Hey, you're going to kick it and just relax for a little while, that may be too, 
true for about 24 months or less than that, but you're going to be ready to find something else, just the way we're programmed. So, so SEI, uh, I bought SEI and absolutely. So um, what SEI stands for, and a lot of folks don't really know this, uh, SEI, uh, just the first S in SEI, Sierra Echo India, the first S stands for Special Tactics Operator Advanced Life Support, and it's and it's a medical combat medical refresher course that was built around uh, taking care of soft personnel. Uh, and then the E is et cetera. It's that simple, et cetera. Institute. So it's, uh, so it's, it's pretty uh, much everything. So you took you took being a jack of all trades, and you connected with that. And Chief Fisk, like I, I was lucky enough, the very first time that I was aware of what a rusty nail was, yeah. Chief Fisk. Chief Fist toasted us. We were getting ready to leave for a deployment from the from the blue team room in in uh, uh, North Carolina, and he actually like told us um, what the rusty nail was. It was the first time that I, I'd ever seen it. So it's it's funny. I, c- I can hear Chief Fisk's voice in my head, just being like, "Yeah, it's all this other stuff and etc." We're going to call it SEI. <laughs> That's right, because if you think about the nature of what we do within pararescue, but if all if you include even all the of our uh, soft counterparts, the seals, the controllers, you know, uh, Marsoc now, and uh, those guys are all part of the larger umbrella of our soft force. That's what they do, man. They're covering all kinds of stuff when it comes to a shoot, move, and communicate. All right. And so the biggest portion of SEI, what you guys do, the first pillar is basically uh, professional instruction and trying to, you know, train guys to be leaders and all that kind of stuff. If you go to the Instagram, um, you know, the SEI Instagram, it has a bunch of pictures of the professional seminars that they do in person. And then, you know, obviously lots of mentorship involved and most of the PJs go through this kind of course and other operators also. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about like the classes and who the instructors are, that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, on the training side, the, the professional training is, uh, um, it's all uh, housed in shoot, move, and communicate, and all those type of things, anything that you guys might want to do. But professional development is is the stuff I really want to grow for all the stuff that we just chatted about just in the last couple of minutes. Uh, um, I wanted to continue to stay involved and well-round our, our individuals outside of just shooting we communicate because i know and we know that uh hey if you want to be stronger in those areas then if you can grow some of those leadership aspects uh and now that we have potive preservation of the force and family on board there's a lot of pillars and things that you can do that reside right in that uh right up inside of potif that make you a better overall operator so uh yeah with an sei we're developing the the professional academy or the ProDev Academy. And that's exactly what it is. It's the well-round individuals outside of just shoot, move, and communicate, a whole person concept, um, all the way down to even finances, you know, helping them be successful as early on as their career and mint them and financial stuff. Uh, That way, when we see them at the end, you know, uh, um, they're a lot better uh, than what maybe they would, they might have been if they wouldn't have planned for that. You know, you got to put time on your side. And that's one thing I tried to do early on in my career. And it's helped me and allowed me and others to be successful on the backside of, of, of a soft career. And so, you know, the interesting thing about, uh, you know, like we're talking about starting businesses and all that kind of stuff after we're done with our career, um, you know, for me, it was once I was an instructor and I really saw how much people could benefit from, you know, just podcasts and, you know, little posts on Instagram, like, wow, people actually are being helped by the things that I'm saying. And it was really um, awesome to just be able to reach out and help guys like that. What was kind of the catalyst for you to start the, 
you know, SEI thing and then start making, you know, the products that you have focusing on leadership, focusing on, you know, from every cent that the person's spending until the leadership portion, you know, pretty much your focus on all that kind of stuff. What uh, made you want to go and do that kind of venture? Yeah, I guess initially what it was is I started to see there was just a huge um, difference in between um, where guys spent time. You know how we were talking about guys spending time in AFSOC and then some guys staying with an ACC, maybe some guys spending time in AETC. Um, I had noticed at some commands or within some certain units, they had institutionalized processes where maybe if, if folks were weak in leadership, they started to put some things in place that uh, maybe you didn't have all the best leadership skills, but you were a great operator, okay? So they put things in place that by default, we're gonna make you do good best practices that are um, are gonna help you, and we definitely know they're gonna help your people. So anybody working underneath you, if you start to do a couple of these things and, and use these best uh, practices, that your people are gonna be better for it. So um, that was my plan is, you know, I wanted to come out and the best place to really do that is um, when I first took over SEI because it was my, it was my chance to kind of be the boss. There was no bureaucracy. And on Monday, if I decided I wanted to put a change on Tuesday, we could do it. It was that simple. And so um, I'm like, you know what? We could, we could take what's in our head. I can get with some of uh, folks I've really respected mentors and leaders out there and other folks in, in corporate through connections and say, Hey, look at, I want to, I want to build something um, in the way of leadership, but for leadership, like for our type of people, warriors and things like that, because regardless of what people think and, and believe me, I've, I've learned through trial and error also, just because you're a, a great operator, a great tactician, a great seal, a great PJ, doesn't mean you're a good manager or even a good leader. And I've seen it my whole career and I'm sure you guys have. And sometimes I think our folks get confused on that. They automatically think that, Hey, um, I'm so good at my job that people will follow me and that you're doing a great job just because you're good at it. Well, that's not the, nothing could be further from the case. A lot of times guys, they might even uh, undermine each other. They talk, uh, they talk behind guys back, but sometimes they don't say it up front to somebody. So that's really was the impetus behind going forward with SEI and expanding SEI into taking on this whole professional leadership academy. Um, I just wanted to make our operators better in the long run. And I know that uh, the professional development part would make them better at their shoot, move, and communicate and help with their families. Because for the better part of my career, I've seen so many of my friends um, go through divorces, folks that I've never thought would uh, uh, go through divorce. And um, so it was a sustainment thing for me, you know, how, how uh, and for us, you know, how can we better round, better well round these guys, make them better operators? And I know they're going to be better operators if their families are taken care of. And if they can learn some of these fundamental skills and practice them, because it does take rigor. A lot of folks don't realize that, but you got to put time into it just like you do your shoot, move and communicate stuff. I know that was long, but yeah. Right. No, that's, that's awesome, chief. And, and for, for the people that are out there, I think differentiating between the training side and the development side and where they overlap, like how do you kind of see that all coming together? Uh, because like you said, if if you if you crush the development side, like that could make a guy a better operator. But if you if you crush the operator side, could that bleed over into the professional development side as well? Like, how do you connect those two and make it make sense in uh, in people's heads? Yeah, the way I kind of see training, which is absolutely what we do, and so many of like you guys do every day, and so many of uh, my friends who are 
doing training courses. You know, we go and we train every single day, you know, but it's uh, initially when I was a J and I never went to really any, any of these professional development courses other than your, your Air Force PME courses, NCO Academy. And then when, uh, you know, when I became a chief, I went to CLC. I was lucky enough to go to CLC, by the way, where they sent me to actually out to a uh, uh, Darden School of Business. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty awesome. And they really brought in some high-end corporate type of folks. And, and, and I, so I never forgot about that. But the way I see training is, uh, you know, when you're a J, regardless of uh, if you're a three-level, five-level, or seven-level, as you make your way up through um, the, uh, the tiers of going all the way up to leadership, the training part is just kind of doing your proficiency and everything you need to do for shoot, move, and communicate. And then, um, but there, the whole other aspect of that is... Um, and man, I, I would say, and I don't know what it is, you know, what the, what the breakout is, but the old, at least half of it is the pers- personal growth and development um, and everything that we, we kind of chatted out a little bit in, in the way of POTIF. Okay. And that's the development uh, of, of gaining knowledge through experience that are other life experiences, kind of like most like the whole person concept. So that's kind of where I see the ProDev element mirroring up with the training elements to make a better, well-rounded um, father, operator, and successful uh, individual even after the military. Right. I think we've, we've covered some of that stuff before on the podcast, and, and I think the new selection course uh, kind of gets after that a little bit, right? Like no one wants a guy on team or a supervisor that's not a good person. You know, I don't sure. care how good of a shot you are and all this other stuff, but if you don't have those those characteristics as a, as a person, as a leader – like, I don't want to follow you. I don't want to listen to you. I don't care how fast you are. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even want to be in the same team room. If they're toxic, yeah. if you have to worry about that guy on TDY, like if you have to worry about every single time, like, oh, what's, you know, I, I don't want to have to have this talk because it always goes poorly because their emotional intelligence is low. Like it, it just gets so it's, it's grating every single day. It's like a, it's a grind to be in that environment. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, we're not robots, we're humans. Okay. And uh, the bottom line is emotional intelligence comes into play and likability, you know, uh, folks don't realize it, but, um, you know, your, your IQ is something that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of imprinted in your DNA, you're not changing it, but your emotional intelligence, which is absolutely the most important thing when it comes to networking, entrepreneurship, being a successful, successful operator, uh, that's something that you can change. And through stuff like this, through professional development, through leadership, through being introspective, um, you can change it very easily and start pulling in some of these best practices. And uh, and the ones who don't recognize how important emotional intelligence is, that's where they get stagnated. And, and uh, especially if they're not savvy on noticing, um, you know, poor, poor or um, things that are very annoying if they're just not picking up to how annoying they might be to somebody else. Right. Read the room, Bob. Yeah, right. Like no one's asking. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I was 100% read the room, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what is it about the way that SEI goes after uh, the pro dev piece of it that makes it uh, unique and, and beneficial for uh, the, the operators out yeah, there? Yeah. I, I think the, the biggest way to look about look at it is that um, obviously POTIF has come on board, at least with, within our community, uh, within our community um, and some communities it's been, it's, uh, farther ahead and in other communities, man, it's light years behind. And then as that comes on board, the teams are starting to do more of that internally. But maybe the best way to look at it uh, with everything that's going on between, uh, you know, 
the deployments that guys have to do, short cycles, AEF rotations, if we're just talking about the Air Force type of guys, uh, between everything you have to do in support of civil SARS, even NASA when we're talking about, you know, specifically our our our, our pararescue and guarding angel community. That's a lot to take on. Okay. Now you tack on CBTs and everything else and try to get a little time with family. So between all that stuff right there, um, things get cut out and you don't get to get the expertise that, that you need when it comes to doing possibly pro devs, you know, pro dev, I imagine the teams right now outside of some very specific um, dedicated practices, maybe at the school and stuff like that. Um, it, it could be very ad hoc and it's probably like, Hey, we got this guy it's just passing through, or I'm going to invite somebody in the team room or Hey, on Monday, um, you know, we'd like to do some professional development, but, uh, on, on the outside, SEI has a, an academy that is dedicated to that. Okay. Every day when you guys go to work and do your thing, you know, we have an SEI academy where people are working on curricula, you know, they're working to network work with uh, not only soft professionals, but folks outside of soft that are in corporate and bringing them into the fold. Okay. So, so it's their, it's their number one job every single time. So when you guys call somebody like us, you know that it's been vetted, it's been validated, it's been tested. They've pulled in the best TTPs and they're subject matter experts. And, you know, it's almost, it's almost kin to, um, you know, why we start outsourcing, you know, before the war kicked off, before we got busy with 9-11, if you remember, you know, in the early days, we did a lot of in-house stuff. And you guys probably don't, man, looking at I got I got I got I Peaches, you're in. Peaches is the only one there. You know, Peaches might be the only one there, but you know, Peaches, Jared probably remembers, man. We did we tried to do a lot of internal training, but as you start to pick up the pace and you start to get very busy and now war kicks off, okay, well, we start outsourcing a lot because while you know we're all concentrating on the war. And even the guys who taught us the seven levels and the really experienced guys, um, they're saturated and task saturated with the war. So we start outsourcing because those, if you break down those lanes of extrication, even something as basic as that, you know, there's somebody out in the civilian sector that's doing that every single day. All right. If that makes sense, you know, we got we only have so much ram upstairs, you know, and we're, we're trying to be jack of all trades and all these other things, but man, you start outsourcing to somebody who's their only specific job or trade is to kind of do one little tiny lane of of what we need being you know pjs and operators if that makes sense it makes total sense uh you know you need those 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 people that like you said are focused on it and are the experts at it you know and if you're an e7 on the team like you still got to deploy and do all your own job anyway on top of taking care of your team and make sure they're getting all their training and all that other stuff so but as as we talk about pro dev when should uh, myself as a team member or anybody else on team or an aspiring person, when do we start thinking about professional development? Like when does that start or when should we think about it? Yeah, it starts now. Okay. And uh, that's my philosophy on it. Now, obviously um, as a three level, you know, you have a lot of other stuff on your plate, but there's certain portions of pro dev that are very applicable for a younger guy. There's certain portions of ProDev that are very applicable for five level. And as you start to uh, tier on up, um, you know, courses get modified for the amount of certain type of development you need or certain type of development you might want. But I would say you start as early as possible. And, and one of them, you know, is a perfect example of what I'm talking about is, you know, and we'll talk about maybe Fusion Cell a little bit later, but I'm trying to help veterans, specifically our type of soft veterans on the way out. 
Okay. And uh, try to find jobs as they, as they start to separate from the military and it never fails. It always comes up one, one conversation always comes up because uh, you're looking for timelines on how fast they need jobs is, is finances. Okay. So if you just take financial support alone and finances, man, that needs to start when those guys are selected or right when they attend AFSPEC war down there. But as soon at the, at the earliest possible moment, uh, maybe right when they get to their teams, we got to get somebody in there. And, and I'm not talking about um, the finance guy coming over once in a while and giving you a little financial brief. And my push is for when I talk about institution and you'll see, that's why we're chatting right now. Things need to be institutionalized within our communities because when they're institutionalized within our communities, that's a captive audience. Hey, hey, you, you pararescue men, you combat controllers, you SEALs. Hey, this is a guy who is going to be talking to you. Um, we're looking out for your best interest, whether you decide to stay around for five years, 15 or 20 years. You know, we already know that um, in our community has backed this. Um, this guy's going to talk to you about finances. Um, he's backed by our communities. And uh, we want to make sure you guys are successful on the tail end and stuff like that. So, so prof- that's just one small little piece of professional development. There's all kinds of what uh, kinds of them. Um, but yeah, it needs to start as early as possible because uh, you know how it is. A lot of times we're thrust right into these leadership positions, whether that's the op soup, uh, the team leader getting ready to, to go down range. Um, so if you could start practicing these uh, best skills, these best TTPs to be a leader, you're only going to be that much stronger by the time you're an op soup or the time, by the time you're a chief. Well, and, and to that point, let me let me just pull the curtain back for everybody that's listening. You're going to be put in those positions long before you feel like you're ready for them. You know, as a guy that's that's found myself in the seat and just being Trent and I had a conversation the other day where we were joking about, you know, w- there was a conversation we had the other day and somebody looked at me and I was the adult in the room and I was like, "Oh, wait, hold on. When did this I'm happen? the adult here. When did this happen? I need an adultier adult to help me through this. So yeah. if you don't go if you don't go left of bang, if you don't start train it think it like physical training right. you don't start tra- you don't start physical training uh when you you like a day before the event right you have to start weeks and months and years ahead of that in order to be ready for your event so right. I, i'm completely and totally just i'm north south over here all day agreeing with you because unless you start that pro dev as early as possible you're going to be put in those leadership positions early and it might be you might have a day's notice it might be hey things fell out you're the leader now i need you to lead and we have a no fail mission you have to be ready that's right. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, if, I, if I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Tony. No, I was just going to say, you know, um, too many times in my career, you know, especially specifically when I think about being the op soup when I was down there at Moody, um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, a, a guy from the team room might, might come into my office and, and be like, you know, he'd shut the door and he'd be like, um, yeah, you know, uh, man, our, our boss upstairs, whether that's the crow, or the team leader, you know, I don't really like him. I don't really care for him. And, uh, you know, he just come in and shut the door and bitch about him. And I'm not singling anybody out. I've seen this out my, my entire career and I'm, you know, and they come in and just kind of vent a little bit. And I would turn to them and go, well, did you tell him you don't like him? Or did you tell him you don't care about him? Or did you tell him the men were talking about him? And they'd always go, well, he knows. And I'm like, well, how, how does he know? Did you tell him? And then they'd be like, well, he knows, everybody knows. And I go, I'm not asking that. I go, did you tell him that, you know, he's not a good leader or that he sucks? Okay. Did you say, did you share that with him? He's like, well, 
well, I didn't, but I'm sure somebody did. And I'm here to tell you the sure that sure somebody did is not a good way to look at it. Matter of fact, what I've learned more than t- uh, more than often is that uh, a lot of those guys, don't, they don't really know. And it's a two-way street. You need to talk to both of them. The guy coming into my office is doing us a disservice by not sharing that and not, by not being transparent. Because a lot of guys, um, what you should do is you should give him a chance to try to change. And he needs the feedback. And, you know, we're always very good at doing feedbacks, you know, after a jump, after a mission, after some sort of scenario. But all these little stitches, all the fabric of what uh, that, that hold a squadron together and, 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 and to make an organization run like a finely oiled machine. That's the stuff right there. And it's the, it's those little bitch sessions or somebody undermining the commander. Um, you know, I. I just wanted to share that because that that's that's was kind of a little bit of the impetus for the leadership type of stuff, the leadership development, and it needs to start early so guys don't get um, set in these bad habits. They need to be professional from the beginning. Need to learn how to um, um, be respectful, be you know, not undermine, and they don't they don't understand it. Something as simple as you know the do talking. Um, the crow talking in the back of a team room, a SEAL commander, um, maybe giving some advice and three guys in the back room rolling their eyes. It, it, it can be very destructive. You know, it, it can be toxic. Once that starts to happen, once you break the seal on, it's okay to, to talk crap and be passive aggressive. It is, it's the worst. You can feel it slipping yes. away. It's terrible. Yep. No. So when we talk about open and honest communication, that, that is not talking crap behind somebody's back. That is, if you have an issue with somebody you talk to them about it. You confront them about it. That's that's all it is. And and your <laughs> your story about or you're talking about institutionalized um, you know mentorship and stuff. It, it reminds me of a time. This was I, I don't know 2001 2002. Uh, young senior airman probably I think uh, Petrus decided to go out and buy a Jeep Wrangler, used Jeep Wrangler, and I, I don't know what it was twenty something. Nah, it probably wasn't twenty something thousand. Oh, it was sixteen thousand. That's right. And uh, and I showed up to work into the team room the next day. You know, you know how it is when everybody gets a new car. Everybody wants to see it. Well, the the LT pulled me off to the side. And he's like, "Hey, do you mind if I take a look at your contract? You know, your loan paperwork." I was like, "Yeah, sure." He he looked at it, did the math. He's like, "Hey, you realize that you paid sixteen for this at the end of this loan." you're going to end up paying $35,000, right? Yeah. Oh, no. So, uh, so Pete, hit, you got hit but, with that. You hit, you got hit with that 24% APR right off base, homie. Yeah. yeah. Except I didn't go with a V6 Mustang. So, all right. <laughs> but, um, but what he did and he didn't have to, he could have just said, Hey, that, that sucks. You know, he took me and the contract down to the dealership because they're one of those write-off base dealerships that are preying right. on That's new right. military members, right? Yeah. He went down there, sat down with the, the general manager, and managed to get that whole that entire contract negated and yeah. void and put me on a new contract where I was, you know, I'm young. I was paying whatever. I shouldn't have gotten the loan anyway. I should have never gotten it. Like, let's be real about that. But yeah. um, amazing leader. And, and he continued to be all the way up until he retired as a as a light colonel at the Pentagon, but um, we have to pull people aside and teach them those because they're not necessarily learning those life skills in school. Like they're they're learning academics in school. They don't know how to 
and I know balance a checkbook is old, but you know, they don't know how to do a budget. They don't know how to get insurance and that kind of stuff. It's just, it's a lot of life skills that guys miss. No, you're, you're right. Well, first of all, uh, good on that officer. Sounds like a freaking great uh, leader you had. And, uh, but we, we owe it to our communities, our soft communities. And, and, and obviously I'm the very fond of the pararescue community, but we owe it to our guys to absolutely do all that type of stuff right there to, to help them out. Uh, I mean, they're packing the mail for the country, you know, um, Man, it doesn't get any more altruistic to being, uh, you know, uh, you know, a PJ and giving everything for somebody else. But uh, we owe it to all of our uh, soft warriors to um, to help well round them out so they're successful, not only in the beginning, through and then on the tail end of their career as they rotate out of the military. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree 100 yeah. percent. So as we talk about the entire, you know, gambit of leadership and mentorship and stuff like that, SEI is kind of chasing the professional development in a very innovative way. So you guys have created the cave. So you mm -hmm. mind telling me what the cave is and, and why is it called the cave? <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it, it's uh, the cave is was uh, was my idea. Um, and initially uh I, I think you guys talked to shane yeah i wasn't sure where you know what and i and initially when i have a an idea uh, you know a vision on something i don't normally try to get too attached to the name of something so to speak it's just some, kind of something I, I learned in business um at least being out here you gotta maneuvering and and kind of moving out and having momentum is kind of you know, keeping up or outpacing the churn is probably the, really the most in, in, important thing we really got to uh, deal with. So, um, but the cave was when you start talking about all this professional development and everything we kind of been chatting about right here. Um, it was my, our, our, I guess our continuation process or the uh, repository on where to house all the information that we're trying to build right now, i.e., you know, kind of this podcast and, and future podcasts on leadership, information that is out there on the internet, um, um, talking to, or a lot of that book that we've journaled, all the journaling that we've done through the years from operators, trying to put some of that in there and have an, a one a one stop shop location uh, that was really for warriors. And what I mean by by like warriors, because we read all these great books out there, you know, um, either, you know, in doctrine or military doctrine on soft, but then there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, a lot of leadership books being pushed every single day. You know, I just got the latest one from Jordan Peterson as I'm looking at uh, reading that one right now. Um, but you got to operationalize a lot of that type of stuff. And there's a lot of uh, information on the internet. So what I what I'm tasking our team to do is kind of sift through all that type of stuff out there. You know, maybe you've heard stories and articles, um, sift through that type of stuff out there and see what applies to our type of guys, like the warriors that are out there executing the job and see if we can take that um, and if it can be operationalized. Let's put it into uh, one area called the cave, the, this repository of warrior type of information. And so an example might be, you know, um, when I was at the 24th, sometimes I'd go when I went down range, there were stories that sometimes some of the guys would share. 
you know, right before he went out and did an op, like maybe the stove would lean over and just give us a fast little anecdotal story on, you know, uh, maybe it was a, bil- a biblical David versus Goliath or something like that. And I always thought that was really cool. I always thought that was neat how they could recall that. And then at the very applicable time, do that. So, you know, I have a guy right now tasked with going out there, find whatever you can across the internet, whatever, even tapping into other sister services and finding stories like that. So that might be under, and I don't know how, you know, cause right now we're just trying to build it, but you know, I want to put that under, uh, you know, whatever we're going to call it, anecdotal stories to share, you know, and, and guys can sift through that and go, Hey, I, I, I'd like to take that and put that in my toolbox. You know, uh, here's a moral, like that one's very applicable to us. And, um, so that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. Now also, you know, as we run these professional development, uh, classes, you know, there's the curricula, there's the information that was put out in those classes. That's just a no brainer. That'll be stuff like that. But the other one, the the part that I'm really excited about is, you know, having folks go through sift all sift through all this stuff, find out what they can operationalize and then, um, you know, put it, put it in the cave. So who's going to have access to the cave and, and is it ready to go now? Are you guys set? Yeah, so um, the way it's working right now or how I think I'm going to do it, and you know how things are, man, through life, things could rapidly change, you know. So so in my head, I feel like who's going to have access to it is, you know, like our communities, you know, or folks maybe who hit ProDev. And, and I would just give them as they come through and hit ProDev, give them, uh, you know, access to it. But um, I think it's probably going to morph out of that, man. Like I care so much about our, you know, if we're talking about, our community right here, our AFSPEC warriors, but you know, then if I'm going to open it up to AFSPEC warriors, why would I not open it up to, you know, all the, all the soft guys who are out there executing this job just to get the word out on. Um, but it's definitely going to be, it's geared towards warrior leadership type stuff, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm sure you'd agree, but I, you know, as an active duty member, I would have loved to have had this. I mean, now, but also when I first came in and, you know, if, if these guys have that ability to access this, even if in small snippets um, before they even join, that's huge because they get an idea of what the community is about. I mean, they do it through our podcast, but I think SEI brings a whole nother, um, a whole nother aspect of it uh, as definitely a professionalized professional development system. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, man, I'm excited about this. I, yeah. I'm really looking forward to uh, yeah. diving into some of this. Yeah, that's right. And I'm sorry, you were, Jared, you were asking. Um, so we're still working on it, but I, I hope to have the cave or we hope to have the cave, you know, up and running. And uh, um, I, I would say by, you know, um, the third quarter of this year. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the important thing about this is, you know, for our audience, obviously is a little bit younger predominantly. Some guys are, you know, reaching the 30 mark, but for those guys, I personally wasn't really a huge reader or anything like that. I listen to audible as I do runs and stuff now, but I didn't start that until, you know, about eight years ago when I really started investing in myself and like learning up until that point, I was like, ah, let's just go out and, you know, do whatever, waste my time. But, you know, if those guys that are doing this right now can get started early, 
into that kind of leadership mentality and just learn exactly like the principles that got made someone else successful, got them through missions, got them through whatever, and made sure that their team was able to be the highest functioning that it could possibly be. Um, they take those lessons learned. And then, you know, like you said, reach into that toolbox whenever the time comes and they're in that position, as Aaron was saying, it's going to happen a lot sooner than you really think you're not going to be prepared for it. And it's just going to say, all right, it's time for you to step up. You're the next guy. And you're like, wait, I thought I had some more time. You're like, yeah. sorry, you're it. So, yeah. you know, if you get started earlier and you're able to actually, you know, reach into that cave and go, I guess it's kind of like the fortress of solitude, kind of what it sounds yeah. like for Superman, go back, <laughs> uh, reconsolidate, and then make sure you're ready to go for whatever is going to be coming out. Cause I think preparation Planning is great and everything, but preparation is what's going to get you through those times that are just unknowns because all we can do is prepare. We don't know what's going to happen the next day or the next week or whatever. Um, We can plan all we want, but nothing ever turns out exactly like we plan it to be. So um, with that being said, so we're talking about uh, a lot of stuff with SEI, um, but like you said, we're continuing, you're continuing to grow and make sure that you have the best access to, to make our operators better. So Tell me a little bit about what Fusion Cell is and kind of what you guys are doing. And is it out yet? What can people expect from Fusion Cell? Yeah, man, this is this is a good one. I'm, I'm very proud of this one. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it. Uh, yeah, Fusion Cell is out now. Uh, it's a full-blown business that is working right now. Uh, I think we have 10, 10 employees that uh, come to work every day to help operators. So just to give you a little background, like how I got to Fusion Cell was like, I wasn't looking for Fusion Cell. Uh, It wasn't a plan. You know, I didn't have a strategic strategy on starting up uh, uh, another business. But like with anything, I've always been a strong and avid believer in um, like being an operator. And I've always tried to tell my guys, always position yourself to be ready. So when an opportunity um, presents itself, you are in a position to capitalize. And that's exactly what happened with Fusion Cell. And how we got there is, so because of SEI, because, um, you know, I'm seeing operators on a pretty regular basis, okay, uh, guys trickling through all the time from soft and a lot, uh, mostly from, from our communities. Between that and between um, the Pararescue Foundation, because we started it myself and Mike Jones started up the Pararescue Foundation uh, about a year after I'd been running SEI. Okay. Um, so we started doing, doing some retreats. And so between spending time in both of those areas, I was constantly getting phone calls from operators going, Hey, I'm getting ready to get out, Tony. Um, I'm looking for a job. What's out there for us. And like any other operator before me, I probably was doing, and I, and I still put you know, I, I, I still continue to push guys into contracting if that's what they want to do. But at the time I was asked back then, um, I absolutely was just pushing guys into contracting. And, and subsequently what happened is uh, five of my really good friends, guys that we probably know in this room, got uh, hurt, killed or maimed um, doing contracting gigs. Okay. And, and the icing on the cake was a, a last SEAL friend of mine who, who went, uh, went over and did a contracting uh, gig and unfortunately, uh, you know, got hit by an IED and lost his legs. And he'd done 26 years like myself. And so that got me thinking like, you know, hey, is there something else we can offer these guys? Not all of them, because oper- some operators, that's what they want to do. That's just the way it's going to be. But uh, I would say more, um, you know, uh, a significant number of those guys, if they were given other opportunities, 
they would choose something else. So what I wanted to try to do was go out and network with corporate. And so I hooked up with a, um, uh, a guy by the name of Jack Heath. And he is a uh, iHeartRadio talk show host. And I hooked up with him uh, through some connections. He was a strong, uh, staunch uh, veteran advocate and had done great things up in the New England area. So folks kept telling me, hey, go talk to this guy. And so him and I got together and we started the first, uh, we started Fusion Cell. And we just basically went into, we started calling local companies in the New England area and said, hey, look at, um, if we found qualified uh, veterans and remember initially what I was looking at is like our type of guys. Hey, look at, um, would you hire these type of guys, you know, and if they're qualified, you know, project managers, could you bring them in? And, and, and they absolutely said, yeah, Hey, if they're qualified, we, we, we absolutely would, you know, and uh, they just got to meet the qualifications we all, which we all understand that, you know um, so that was the, the, the first beginnings of uh, Fusion Cell. And then at somewhere along the road, we met um, um, the future guy who would end up financing Fusion Cell to really grow it at a, at a very expedient level. And he was um, part of a staffing, staffing company by the name of uh, Medicus. Uh, his name was Joe Matarisi, had built in his garage the fourth largest staffing company in the country. And uh, so we met him. Uh, we we chatted with him about uh, you know helping us get uh, Fusion Cell off the ground. So I figured, well, you know, if you know how to staff and you've grown it to uh, a huge business and you're the fourth largest in the company, why can't we staff veterans, you know, soft and, and veterans that are separating from the military into corporate America? He agreed, and um, and now we have a full blown business called Fusion Cell that is helping uh, staff. Um, all veterans, you know, even though it started out that, you know, I was really kind of looking at my community, you only have so much capacity. And uh, so uh, I am a, I am a principal and a founder in uh, Fusion Cell as we move forward to staff um, all veterans into corporate America, you know, because there's just a huge divide that, uh, that we have to contend with. And, uh, but, uh, you know, right now it's, it's nice because, um, I think hooking up with a staffing company that understands corporate America and how to staff into there, uh, it's a it's a good a relationship. Yeah, and I think um, what you're doing there is super important. It's kind of what we, you know, when I was an in-dog instructor, we would try to just embed this in the person's mind that we are here to take care of the team. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not trying to worry about how am I going to make myself look like a better swimmer or whatever. Like if you take care of the team, then the team's going to take care of you. And that goes on through the rest of your life, your entire career, everything like that. So what you're doing here, it sounds like is, you know, just actually doing the exact same thing where, you know, even when you're done with your career, you're not done with the career field. Everyone's still going to be there for you. All the people that you grew up with, all the people that, you know, mentorship as far as, you know, you and um, Peach and all those guys are still going to be there for you to help you out. Because like I said, you're not just going to go out on the, on the street and be, you know, homeless veteran or anything like that. And I think yeah. there is kind of a stigma out there of people that when they get out of the military, you know, they've been to war, they've done whatever, and now they're just broken and they blah, blah. So uh, that's one of the important things that I think, you know, that you can 
actually do with the fusion cell thing as well as, you know, change that mindset. You know, obviously you're a successful entrepreneur, um, nothing broken about you. You're very intelligent and able to actually impact change in the community. And I think it's good to have a platform like you have uh, with a fusion cell to be able to do that kind of stuff. Well, uh, and it, yeah, just to jump into like the, the fusion cell thing has always been really, really, uh, imp- like I've always, I've, I've always dug it and, and I've dug it for kind of like a weird reason. All of these businesses, all of these, you know, high ranking corporate, your Forbes 500 companies, when they have like get togethers and they sit down, like they have war rooms, they have people that, Hey, we need, we have a, we have a crisis. We need to solve it. Who better to solve that than someone's actually been to war? That's like right. the fact that you're bridging that gap and you're putting someone in there. I got to be honest with you. I've been in a couple boardroom uh, discussions where people, you know, the temperature starts to raise up. My heart rate doesn't go anywhere because yeah. I've got different experience. You're able to think clearly. The fact that you're linking up those people that might not know how to, how to make that bridge to get from fusion cell to, to a boardroom to actually affect something and bring those skills. We have skills that less than 1% of the population has seen. That's right. When the business world starts thinking, how are we going to fix this problem? I have 1% of the population that I can tell you right now, this guy, no matter how high that temperature gets, he's going to be able to think clearly in this situation and he'll help you through it. I always thought that was a really cool thing about fusion cell. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And a lot of folks, they may not even know this, but, um, so it's all, it's all these connecting of dots, you know, and before I went to separate about two years, it, man, right. Even before I knew I was going to buy a CI, I was talking to a combat control friend of mine by the name of Kyle Stambro, who's very sec- successful today. And I know, uh, I know Jared knows him very well, but now I was talking to Kyle and I go, Hey, you know, I might get out in two years. I could stay around a little bit longer, but, uh, I go, so who do we contact when we go to get out? Like, is, what's the network? Is there a network out there that helps us get jobs? And Kyle goes, and he gave me the big goose egg. You know, he goes, no, there, there's, there's nothing out there. Nothing I know. And now you have your associations, your foundations and all that type of stuff. But that's not what they do. That's not their job. They have different charters. So with Fusion Cell, my attempt and our attempt, and you know, and I and I've um, we're building. So we have a little LinkedIn site right now, but I'm not going to house it there. I'm going to house it somewhere. We just got to find the right platform. But it's really connecting the dots of all the dudes, all the generation of warriors who've gotten out. You know, uh, I've even talked to guys all the way back to Vietnam. I sent out a letter that basically, and I've chatted with all these guys and we had a great response back from them. So there's all these guys who've got out before you guys and before me that they get out and they matriculate and make their way up into Fitbit, you know, maybe even Google there. So we have these guys that are in these big companies now. Um, you know, they're, some are presidents, some are CEOs, some are running HR departments, but they're out there they're not connected. You see what I'm saying? Once, once in a while, they kind of rotate back and they, they, they come to the reunions and they, and they, you know, we all have to get together and have a good time. But what we need to do is we need to bridge the gap. So fusion cell is bridging the gap between those guys that came from our, you know, aspect war and soft communities, making connections with them. And that's what we're building right now, along with the cave is like, so Kyle's here or this guy's over here or, or, or John's John and, and like, so the way it will work is we make connections with all those former operators who got out and put them in some verticals. Hey, this guy's in business. This guy's in IT. This guy's in agriculture. And we'll have these connections. And I've asked them, hey, would you like to be involved in mentorship, entrepreneurship? You know, can you can you help the guys find jobs? And so 
that's what we're trying to build. We're trying to build um, a network of folks who can that came from our communities that are out now, and they've been out for quite some time that can give back. So when you go to re- when you guys go to leave and the next generation of guys go to retire, they can like when they turn to somebody like Kyle, I turn to Kyle, they can turn to somebody and go, Hey, who are we calling? I'm, I, I'm getting out. I need to find a job. I'm not sure what I, what I want to do. And I, I need a starting point fusion cell. That's who you're calling. Cool. So what, you know, for the guys that are active duty, and I know that I'm I'm narrowing our demographic right now, but for the guys that are active duty, at what point should they contact you guys? And the follow-on question to that is, if a guy is already separated or retired, mm-hmm. are they still, or do you still want them to contact you? Yeah, so the guys who are retired absolutely can contact us. It's no problem because even if they're at a job now, they might not be at that job in a year. Maybe they're not happy at that job. Maybe they are. They don't have anything to lose. So we can, you know, guys move around from jobs all the time out here. Um, the quick, the quick version on answering the question, when should somebody contact us? Cause this one seems simple. And then I can get very philosophical on, on some really deeper stuff, but I'd say two years out, you know, 24 months out. A lot of times I get calls from, Hey, Tony, I'm looking for a job. And I'm like, okay, they call me on Monday and they're like, I'm looking for a job. And I'm like, okay, how much time do we got? Why well, separated Friday? You know, like the two days prior, you know, three days prior. <laughs> come just, on, man. Oh, come oh. on, man. Help, help me help you. Oh, dude. <laughs> come on, dude. It, it happens a lot, you know? And uh, so I'd say 20 now going back to our initial conversation, what you and I, and all of us been speaking about for the last, you know, 40 minutes now, probably um, is we need to start them as early as possible. Now, that's where it gets crazy, Jared, because you're like, well, what do you mean, Tone? I'm telling you when guys enter, enter our communities, and we'll talk specifically about AFSPEC war, but I would say this, this, this freaking canvases all soft guys. You start them out early. You make sure they know about it, okay? Because we can start – so while, you, while, our, while our warriors are fighting on the front line and showing up a, a safety net you know, uh, for our country – Somebody like Fusion Cell gets to know them. They mentor them. They know what they like, what they don't like. Okay. And because you don't know if somebody's getting out in four years, they're going to do a four-year tour, eight years, or they push to 30. And all it is is a simple conversation because here's why you don't want to wait till last minute. This is what I'm learning out here. Like say a guy wants to go into cybersecurity, which is, by the way, a really good idea. If you don't know what you want to do, <laughs> go into cybersecurity, okay? And, 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 and I'm not talking about knocking out degrees. In, you know, what I'm seeing out here these days is there's certificates. There's, there's requirements and there's little tiny bridge courses, little things you can do that are sometimes more important than the damn degree. Okay, so like if a guy tells me, hey, uh, I want to go into cybersecurity, I'm going to go, I need you to knock out these five certificates. Okay. You know, one might be 12 weeks long. Another one might be an eight week, this and that. Um, But that's not something you want to do late, you know, down at the last minute. But if we can mentor guys and they're like, Hey, look at, you know, even if, even if somebody tells me at five years in, like, Hey, look at, I'm not sure what I want to do. You know, I might do one more rotation, but, but I know I want to go back to Indiana. I know I want to go, I want to go to Georgia. That gives us time to, because remember we were talking about that emotional intelligence and all these other type of stuff. I'm telling you it's done no differently out here than it was than it is in the military when it comes to relationships and meaningful and trusted relationships you need time to massage relationships so you know jared's like hey i want to go 
back to my home state. I'm not sure what I want to do, but hey, there's three companies I'm interested in. Well, you know what? Dish me those three companies. While you're still in, give me a couple of years to massage the relationships, you know, and that because that's how it's done, man. And uh, that's why I'm saying I know it sounds crazy, but you start them early. So while while you're fighting the war, let somebody like Fusion Cell keep up abreast of what's going on in corporate and the civilian sector. So you don't have to worry about that shit. I dig it. Okay. Email. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. I was going to say your, your inbox just blew up. Congratulations. Like whether, uh, whether we like to ad- admit it or whether they like to admit it or not, there are actually a lot of guys in the career field, guys and gals in the career field. And actually outside of, we've gotten a lot of feedback that people not even associated with us are, are listening to this podcast. So yeah. you heard it here first, like get a hold of Tony at Fusion Cell, drop yep. your email, make your intentions known and let them help. It's why they're there. Yep. Absolutely. That's awesome. But on top of not only SEI and Fusion Cell, like you mentioned earlier, you're also running the uh, the Pararescue Foundation, correct? Uh, so coming from a from an outside perspective and as a well known you know uh, PJ fanboy or groupie, <laughs> could you tell me a little bit about what uh, the Pararescue Foundation does or or anything like that or its background? Yeah. So hey, so in in a nut in a nutshell, you know, and we started. It's only been around for like. Um, I guess maybe we're coming up on four years now. So, uh, so there's a team of us, uh, mostly, uh, PJs and now we've brought on, uh, two more crows. Uh, but, but just to kind of encapsulate what exactly the pararescue foundation does now, there's definitely pillars, but this is kind of what I share with, with our operators. Um, if there is, if there is something um, physically, mentally, emotionally, that is keeping you from being um, the best operator you can be and being the right father for your family. And just if, if there's a distractor out there that's uh, that's taking um, your mind away from that right there, then you have the foundation you can reach out to and we can get you either networked with somebody or give you, you know, um, the financial support you might need to go um, and and help get some assistance for that type of stuff. But so uh, that's where the foundation is. You know, we offer retreats, we offer programs, uh, you know, it's very different from the association. The association is, is a, a great entity for pararescue. Uh, and I'm talking specifically about the pararescue association. It's been around a long time. Um, they have a little bit d- a different charter. They absolutely help pararescue men, but the foundation's charter is hemmed up right in, you know, just helping our warriors keep, keep, uh, keep them focused and uh, on the mission that they've done, that they've dedicated their life to, you know, and keeping them strong family, uh, fathers, husbands, you know, um, and sons, you know, for, for their family and extended families. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. It's, it's an absolutely, um, you know, I, I, I try to share this with the guys and I've gotten very different on it. You know, I never, I always used to give the brief and not solicit anything from them, but you know, it's not like we're, we're loaded with money and we never want to be able to deny anything to any of our, uh, of our pararescue men, our combat rescue officers. And we never have. And the thing is, it's so wonderful because it's not this huge, uh, it's not this huge foundation yet. It's not like Tommel's big and you got the, um, the seal foundation. Matter of fact, there's last time I checked, there was probably 48 
SEAL foundations. You have one foundation. You have the Pararescue Foundation. And um, um, and what a what a great thing. So I always try to tell the guys, hey, look, if you can uh, go and give $1 a month, $1 a month, um, at any given time, we are constantly sending PJs and Crows to um, support programs. There, there might be... 10 guys right now in a program that you guys don't know about it there. I guarantee you every single squadron that you're in right now, whether you know about it or not, are using uh, support or funding from the foundation. And that's why I've kind of started to change my message on it going, Hey, look at this is you guys's foundation. We all are, we don't, we don't even get, we don't get paid. We are volunteering our time. It's your foundation. So um, I've probably started to get a little bit more, um, not so passive on saying, Hey, look, if you can support your foundation, please do. Because I, I get phone calls all the time. We never deny anything from those guys. And it's this simple. If they need some, if they, if they need some money because something happened to cover a deductible, the air force can't respond to it, or it's not as reactive and we need help now. I'm like, where's, what's your account number? Where am I sending the check? That's what, you know. Well, well guess what? You just got uh, uh, we're already in, we already have been, but guess what? We're going to blow this thing up. I know that come sit and relax. I know that shelves, I know that there's other entities out there. We're all on a group chat. Like we're in, so that'd let's be, go because you guys have always been there. Yeah, that would be great. And I'd really, really from, from everybody at the foundation guys, I really would appreciate that because, you know, whether you think you're going to use it or not, it's almost like the gun fund. You're paying for the next guy, you know, and and, yep. ho and hopefully you never have to use it. But, you know, as leaders and managers and supervisors, you should be using it for your people. I mean, look, at I, I'm, I've always been a big believer on like, hey, look, at we got these retreats. Find the guys who are packing the mail in your organization because you know how, how they are. The sled dogs. Those freaking they're not going to tell you they need a break. They they're not going to tell you they want to go on a, on a retreat. They're just going to keep going to work. That's what we do. We punch a clock and you show up to work and it doesn't matter how you feel about it. That's right. And, and you never know if, when, or somebody's going to break. Okay. But what you got to do is you got to exercise good maintenance of our people, good mental and physical maintenance and uh, stuff like the foundation, the association, preservation of the force and family. This is how we keep our guys stronger and, and keep the fractures from coming in, man. So. Absolutely. And what I'm hearing, so I always boil things down because I'm, I'm not that smart of a person, but boiling it down, you got SEI, you got pro dev. We're talking about laying pro dev on three levels. We're talking about the second that you get out. I just luckily, and I want to say, thank you. You had a young PJ of mine at your last Stoles course and he crushed it. He came back and gave me nothing but great feedback and the mentorship and professional development that he had there. And that's, that's amazing. Like that's directly benefiting me as his supervisor, as his first line supervisor, but you got that. And then you're helping guys with the transition to get them into fusion cell. And then all the way through the pararescue foundation where you're like, it doesn't matter. You wore the beret. We are going to assist you from now until the time it is that you go to your last reunion. Like that's cradle to grave to me. And that's how, that's how I feel that your specific efforts have set stuff up. So walk me through it. I look to you as a, as a young, you know, E5, E6, when you were my functional manager out in ACC and, and we had our conversations, you were always somebody that could provide a little bit of vision, but also a little bit of clarity. Where do you want to go in the future? What do you see for this career field moving forward? Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about, uh, you know, and, and 
at some point, maybe offline, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on, you know, AFSPEC war and stuff like that. But I, I, I think that's pretty amazing. It, it's great to see, you know, at uh, what appears to be, at least from the outside, where where the future AFSPEC war and stuff like that is going. So, you know, kind of at least how it appears to be is you're starting to get uh, the funding, you know, preservation of the force of family. I know from talking to a lot of uh, operators that come up through here that, uh you know, they're getting, they're getting the uh, strength and conditioning coaches. They're getting all those pillars that we try to embed within uh, preservation of the force of family. Now those positions are starting to be filled within, uh, within those units. And I know, and I've had to modify because I used to teach HPO up, you know, at SEI every single class, or at least all the Stoles courses. Um, but I think that's being taken care of now at the team level of all those organizations. But um, yeah, where I want SEI to go Um you know, uh, I'm very proud, and I know Wayne was very proud of the heritage and legacy of SEI. You know, it's kind of been this, um, it's been this pararescue um, institution, you know, and, and uh, hopefully it, it'll always remain that, you know. Um, but within that, you know, I'm a, I feel like I'm larger than that because, you know, how I look at things strategically, I hope I do, is that, I support the soft community. So that's all softwares. You know, we get a lot of seals up here. Uh, we get some army. Um, so if you're a soft warrior, we'd love to have you at SEI, you know, but you know, my, my time was spent in pararescue. So I want to continue to grow SEI. Um, and as we do that, if we can provide more growth for SEI, then obviously I can pull in, um, guys who want to work, you know, from our communities into jobs within that. And if they have, if they're online with the vision of continuing to help our guys and serve them, then, then I want them with us. Um, I want to grow uh, fusion cell. I want to keep, uh, I, I'm really excited about that. I, I really, there's a lot of potential. So there. is, so is peaches. Peaches is really excited <laughs> about that too. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was, uh, he actually wrote you an email while it was on here. So he put it from the, uh, the company account. We can see when you send those out. Yeah. You accidentally courtesy copied all of us. Like, yeah. Hey, you put your email out to fusion cell while you were on the phone. My guy, my guy. No, that, that, that's okay. That's perfect. He's going to hold me to it. And that's the way, yeah. that's, the way <laughs> yeah. oh, that's the way he should. But, um, you know, the, the, the reason why I'm excited about the fusion cell, because if you think about how long the military has been around, we've been doing this a long, long, long time, but there's always been this huge division between the civilian sector and corporate and the military, you know, and, and unless maybe you're a two-star general, you know, you could walk right out into the civilian sector and go anywhere. Somebody out there within corporate is going to go, well, you're a two-star general, hey, you know, or a four-star, you know, I watch Patton or, you know, or you know, so I, they understand that like intrinsically, I think you can lead people, you know, you're at a very high level, but everybody else below and maybe between gets lost in the shuffle. Hey, I was a chief. Oh, Okay what the hell does that mean? Or I was an E whatever, or I was this and this and that, you know, corporate out here is very specific on when you go to find a job, you know, you're, you're, you're jobbing for that position. I am an engineer. I'm an IT person, but you know, like, like you guys said, we got so much to bring to the fight, man, when it comes to thinking outside the box, or I like to say, think outside the ruck, you know, uh, one of my guys, that's, uh, that's a quote I stole from my guy, one of my guys. Um, but um, so you know, just I want to I want to grow this 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 piece of um, connecting 
the military with corporate. So they understand the structure and they have better understanding. So almost like if you thought about it, like this ladder, just like a regular ladder, you kind of climb up, but on one side, you kind of have the DOD, the military, the air force, you know, and all its AFSCs and, and um, that timeline from zero to 30. And these rungs are the offshoots got out at four years, got out at eight years, got out at 20 years. Uh, and you can kind of see if you get off at four, you're a little bit younger. And if you get off at 30 or 26, you're, you're strategic. And then on the other side, you have these partners, these partnerships from corporate America, where we've let them into the curtain, behind the curtain, so to speak. So they really understand. So an HR department kind of knows, hey, look at this company, we hire from these AFSCs or these rates, these MOSs. Um, but that's really never been done. But I'm just telling you, that's what we're trying to do at Fusion Cell. So, uh, and if we can get these relationships, if we can get these relationships, then you will have, to me, you'll have full cradle to grave. You know, somebody could join the military and as they're signing up to join the military, they could almost know what job they qualify and where they want to go. Hey, I'm going to come in for eight years. I'm coming into this job. And I know that I'm, I'm going to offshoot at BAE because they hire those type of people from this AFSC. And I could come in. That's such a big company. I could come in and offshoot at eight years. Or if I make it to chief or colonel or whatever, I could offshoot up here and I'll be a, um, you know, a senior executive manager. So I hope I broke people- that down. I hope that makes sense. Well, people ask us that all the time, Chief. People are like, "Listen, I want to come in here. I want to do this. I want to do this job because I really do connect with it." But I'm looking to. I, I don't want to spend an entire career. What What are my options after that? That's amazing for yeah. for our listeners, for people that are making this decision. If you want to plan your life out, because life changes, That's things right. change. That's right. But holy cow, being able to map this out eight to ten years, I can't even map out. Until two weeks ago, I didn't even have a two-year plan. And then things changed, and I had to change that up. But if I had that information, especially at the beginning of my career as a a cross-trainee from the Midwest myself, things might be a little bit different, and you're there to provide that voice. Yep. Yeah, we definitely get questions pretty much every other day of like, what can I do? I'm interested in PJ, but what do you guys usually do after you're done with your PJ career? And this is boom. Go check out this guy. This is – you know, what guys are going to be doing for the rest of their career after they're done with this career. And I think it's really awesome the way that you're kind of phrasing it, that you're not selling a skill set, because like you said, there are certificates that can be, um, you know, purchased, you can learn it in a couple of weeks, months, years, however long the certificate takes for the specific job you're going to. But what you're getting for that company is a specific personality and the way that we've grown up within the career field. And, you know, starting from day one, when you get to selection, you become this other person that cares about their team and becomes a certain type of person that functions well in any environment. As uh, some of the other guys were saying, you know, Obviously, we're better at dealing with some of the pressures that are involved with stepping up, talking in front of people, making sure that the leadership is taking care of all that kind of stuff and thinking strategically based on wherever you're at. But we're selling that person that, you know, anybody that's hiring them knows that they're going to be able to accomplish whatever task is in front of them because we're all problem solvers. We're not just, well, 
they told me I have to do exactly X, Y, Z. Like, well, maybe we'll think about it in a different way and there's a better way to get the job done. Um, That's just the way that we think is how do we consistently improve whatever process we're doing, whatever job we get into and make ourselves better. So I just want to ask the the final question that we always ask for guys that are coming in. Obviously, our audience, like I said, is a little bit younger and all that kind of stuff. They're forecasting like, okay, I'm planning all this stuff. I'm trying to, you know, figure out where my life is going to go and everything. Um, what would you say they should do now or what would be your best piece of advice for a person that is, you know, 18, 20, trying to come into this career field and do all these things? Um, what should they think about and do first? Yeah. So this one to me is relatively easy, man. I wish I got questions like this all the time, man. Cause, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it would, it would be a good day, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is what I, what I absolutely 100% tell people if they're going to, if they're going to go into soft or whatever they're going to go into, it doesn't really matter. But for the sake of this question, if they're going to go into soft and say, they want to be, you know, they want to be a PJ, they want to be a seal or whatever. The first thing I always tell them is to, um, to get a mentor. I, I, I absolutely always tell them once they've pulled the trigger on it, the, the best way I know they can be successful, at least in my head, the way I think about it is, is to get a mentor from that job. So if a guy, you know, told me he wanted to be a PJ and he pulled the trigger on it and he was really adamant and he made up his mind, uh, then I would say, okay, you know, if you want, I, I, I will mentor you. Or, you know, if you, if you want, that's, that's what I'll do for you because I've learned a lot of lessons and things like that. And also as, as a, as a good mentor, I think I can help him out. You know, maybe he was waffling on that question. Maybe he's not sure. Well, a good mentor can help you find out if this is the path for you. Maybe you should go somewhere else. So, uh, so unequivocally, without a doubt, um, my thing is, you know, I always try to tell him, Hey, Hey, get a mentor, um, somebody who's navigated that water right there. And they can, um, they get, the mentor gets a lot out of it also, man. A lot of guys like to do that. I, I love to mentor guys. I absolutely, yeah, I mean, girls too, man. I love to mentor people. And, um, um, and I think I'm okay at it. You know, I'm certainly not the best, but, um, got a lot of knowledge to pass. And, uh, so that's what I say. Yep. And that's exactly why we are here to make sure that, that, you know, mentorship gap and everything, because, you know, we started this thing in the first place because we were just getting so many freaking questions on our own. You know, Aaron was doing the shadow spear thing. Trent was still an instructor and doing all that kind of stuff, but he was filling questions all over the place. And Peach was doing Reddit and a bunch of other places just uh, on our own. And we're like, man, we're getting all these questions from the career field and other people that are trying to get into this thing. Let's freaking, you know, combine our forces and make sure that people have a resource, something to go to and make sure that, you know, that mentorship aspect is taken care of as much time as we can obviously put into, you know, fielding questions, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's huge to be able to just know what you're getting yourself into and preparing specifically for whatever you're going to get yourself into. Um, so you guys, uh, have any last parting shots, uh, questions or anything for the chief? No, just a thank you, chief. It was great to sit on here and and get mentorship for you, uh, from you for another hour, hour and 15 minutes, however long it is that we went. Man, I I just appreciate it. This was as good for me. I can't wait to send this to my friends in the career field. Like normally where we talk specifically to people trying to get in, but you know, I I think the, I think the career field needs to hear this one. I think the bros need to hear this one because I'll tell you what, man, you're, you're doing awesome things. I just want to say thank you. Yeah. 
this is a hundred percent, you know, like, like we were talking about, created a grave, everything that people need to do and taking care of our teammates and those guys that we've, you know, went to war with and making sure everyone's all right on the, t- on the tail end of things versus, you know, before where guys just used to get out and then they used to kind of fend for themselves, figure out life on the outside, which is yeah. kind of a, a new world because we're all used to being, you know, 20, whatever years in the military and you step outside of that world and you're like, wow, this is totally different, but it's awesome stuff that you're doing right there. So just to recap some of the things that we were talking about, um, you know, starting with the SEI thing, it was making a more well, well-rounded and skilled operators that are able to lead and have a high degree of emotional intelligence, being able to operate on the outside and making yourself a better leader, focusing on the professional development aspect. That's what he's doing with the SEI thing. Um, but it's kind of a legacy company that he took over from Wayne Fisk. So, you know, like you said, we're starting a new new uh, tradition and kind of grouping all of our assets together, making sure that the person on the other end, you know, the PJs, the newer PJs and us that are, you know, kind of going, getting a little bit older in the career field are taking care of each other and taking care of the guys that are, uh, you know, with us. So, and then uh, some of the other things are just, you know, being transparent about talking the problems through through the team room, making sure that there's not any dissidents among the ranks or anything like that. Um, and guys are taking care of each other that way. And then the cave concept, there's a lot of concepts that are, that you went through. So I just wanted to hit them real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, the cave yeah, concept <laughs> is uh, another thing that you guys need to start doing now, as soon as you can, you know, reading and learning and trying to implement those things that you can reach back in your toolbox and make sure that you're able to implement those things when the time comes, because like we said before, it's going to come a lot sooner than you think it's going to come and a uh, very important idea for you guys to start implementing now in the rest of your life. And the fusion cell, I'm super excited about that too. And like I said, all of us are um, totally on board with that thing and the PJ foundation, making sure that guys are taken care of as they're going through their career, if they need a break and that falls on the leadership also to make sure that, you know, people are aware of that. And now, you know, with this podcast and everything, hopefully everyone is aware of that. We're pushing this out. And that's why I think it's super important to push this out to guys that are on the teams right now. And then people that are joining right now. So they know that they have some sort of resource to reach back and they're not going to be alone and whatever problems they're facing, engine breaks down, whatever it is, you know, there's always someone there to help you out and make sure that everything is taken care of because overall goal is to keep everyone in the fight and make sure you're able to actually execute the mission and continue to do good, make yourself better. So again, chief, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, we'll continue to push for all the things you're doing. Definitely a great mentor for all of us to, you know, see all the awesome things that you're able to do and, um, continue to push forward. We're all kind of like-minded and making sure that we're never sitting still and continuing to move forward and making sure that everyone else is taken care of. So really appreciate the things that you're doing and appreciate your time for coming on the show. So make sure you guys go ahead and check out, follow, um, you know, he has an Instagram account for all of these different things, the PJ foundation, the fusion cell, and then SEI, all of them. Make sure you're doing that on Instagram, following them and seeing the mentorship sessions that he's been putting out. Um, it's really great stuff. And, you know, continue listening to the podcast. If you guys ever need anything, like we said, we're always here for you. Uh, make sure that you guys questions get answered and do what, whatever avenue, whatever uh, career field, whatever it is. We're going to help you guys get the information that you need to get in order to make that educated decision and push forward with it. All right. So hit us up anytime. You guys go out there. Earn each breath. We'll see you later. 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 Train hard. Thanks, Chief. Booyah.